So welcome to week three. Let's start a quick recap of where we've been the last couple of weeks. Last week we, discover, we discussed the development of a heart awareness, which is really actually, it's a, the skill. It's not a gift, it's a skill, which means with practice you can get good at it. But it's the skill of staying attuned to what's going on in your heart. Uh, similar to when you're driving down the highway, you're looking at that windshield, but simultaneously you're kind of keeping your eye on your indicator lights as well. And so that's basically what we've been learning to do. Now the best way to develop the skill of heart awareness is through the heart check that we talked about last week. Uh, three simple questions. Number one, what am I feeling right now? Uh, using the emotions chart. If you don't have the emotions chart, you need to get a copy of one uh, because that's so helpful. Uh, second question is, where in my body do I tend to hold that feeling? Shortness of breath, tight stomach, tight shoulders. If it's positive, maybe I sigh, I feel relaxed, but what, how does that emotion express itself in my body? And then finally, um, draw an arrow, from the word that you just wrote about your feeling, each of your feelings, draw an arrow down to thinking. What thoughts have been rolling around your mind that give rise to that feeling? Okay? Remember, keep your thoughts pretty short. And remember, in your thoughts, you're not reporting the event. Uh, I felt anxiety because while well, my mother was coming into town. No, it's I felt anxiety because my mom's coming into town and I really, that always makes me feel like I'm not measuring up, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? So your thoughts need to be not close attributed to the event, but to your thinking about the event. And again, one to two. What you're gonna start noticing is the same thoughts keep coming up again and again and again, and that makes your, your work easier, ultimately. Um, the order of the questions, not important. Uh, because sometimes you're gonna do an impromptu check when one of your indicator lights comes on. Like mine, this week, one of my indicator lights, a physical one, is my eye starts switching. Which to me means I'm stressed. Well, I didn't even know I was stressed until that indicator light went on. But when, um, because see, that tells you that I am living pretty disconnected to what's going on in my heart. But the reason I'm doing that, you need to understand, is because I'm busy, busy, busy teaching a class about te people learning to be attentive to what's going on in their heart. So because of that, I have not been aware of what's going on in my heart. So when my eyes started twitching, that's the signal for me to say, hey, that's the physical. What's going on? What am I feeling? what thoughts are attached to that. So that's just an impromptu check-in. So we also talked last week about Henry Nouwen's observation that we will only be able to feel, think, and act with any degree of clarity when we've created what he called a safe place in our hearts. This is because our brains, which are constantly scanning for danger, they must be calmed in order to allow us to be curious about what's within us. If our brain detects judgment, if our brain detects that you're about to start judging what's coming up, your thoughts, your feelings, and you start judging those, if your brain detects judgment, it shuts down immediately, and it becomes very difficult for you to access 
your thoughts and your feelings or become aware of those physical sensations. And it's for that reason that we're gonna take a little detour today because I told you last week that we were going to be discussing how to regulate your emotions uh, before you respond. Um, but this week, I have been battling hard and long in the counseling room against inner voices in the heads of my clients. Um, don't, don't worry, I don't mean like uh, personality disorders. I mean like, like the inner voices that you have, and we're gonna talk about them in just a moment, but those inner voices really can shut down this whole process. So much so that I decided we need to take a whole class just on hearing, learning about your inner voice. Imagine if you were a parent, your child was struggling in math, so you hire a math coach. Strange thing is, after a couple of weeks, not only does the child not improve in his math grades, he actually gets worse, and he has a lot more math anxiety. So that's a little odd. So you decide, so the next time that the math t uh, coach comes, you're going to not be in the room, but stay in, within earshot of what's going on. And at one point, the coach has told your, your child to do a math problem. He did the math problem, and obviously he did it wrong. And what you overheard was, we have been over this numerous times, and you're still not getting it. Are you even listening to me? Obviously not. So, that explains that lack of progress, doesn't it? The demeaning words are actually sending your child's brain into lockdown, which makes clear thinking, to be able to do math, absolutely impossible. So what do you do as a parent? You fire that coach. Because though her words, they may even be partly factual, the delivery, that shaming voice, uh, it absolutely guarantees worse performance. We have a coach in our heads as well. And what he or she is saying when one of your indicator lights comes on absolutely determines whether or not you're gonna go ahead and continue to pay attention to any other indicator lights. Recently, I had a woman come to see me and uh, she wanted to talk about um, just a complex relationship that she had uh, with a friend. And as she was telling me about it, she said probably three or four times within the course of maybe 10 minutes, I know this is so silly. I know this is so silly. I know this is so silly. And I knew that what she was telling me out of her mouth was just a repeat of something that was going on in her head that her inner coach was telling her because, and just like that math coach, her inner voice was having the exact same effect of shutting her down. When she was hearing condemning words in her mouth, I mean, I'm sorry, in her mind about what was coming out of her mouth and what she was thinking, when she heard those, she shut down. And it made it really, really difficult for her to explore with me uh, what was going on in her heart because her brain was being triggered by that critical voice. Our brains are beautifully designed to protect us. They are constantly at work scanning for danger. And when our brain detects something that sounds or feels 
like something that has injured us in the past, it is triggered to sound the alarm and move into protective response. And the part of your brain that, when you're in a safe place, is responsible for the thinking needed to attune your heart, that's the, the upper brain, uh, that part goes offline. And your lower brain, which is mainly impulse, the lower brain takes over and everything goes mute. And it becomes very, very difficult for somebody even to be able to articulate thoughts, feelings, or physical sensations. They can't access them. And so that's what was happening with her. That's why your child can't think straight when he's facing a math problem, because he's hearing that math coach's voice in his head, and that's causing his brain to shut down. And that harsh voice, that coach voice inside of my client's head was triggering her brain's memory of another voice. Be a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a soccer coach, someone that had spoken to her in a similar manner and had wounded her. And so her brain shuts down when her brain detects that, which prevents her from moving in to her heart, makes her move away, moves away from curiosity, move away from anything that might be risky because it's far too dangerous to go there. Now there are times then when what we actually have to guard our hearts from is the harsh, harsh coach that's inside of our head. And we have to begin to learn to talk back to that coach. But that's really easier said than done because we've really become accustomed to hearing it, so much so that you don't even really notice what's going on. You don't even hear it, but it is blocking us nonetheless. And it was blocking my ability to be able to help my client because she needed help then to get to a safer place, which meant that her coach needed to be silenced. So the process that I went through with her is one that you can do yourself. Um, when you realize that you've just gotten stuck, when you are trying to taper, take a deeper look, first of all, she needed to become aware of what she was hearing. So I asked her, hey, have you noticed that you've said several times that um, what you're feeling is silly? Have you, have you noticed that? Because you know what? You can't change what you're not aware of. So let me ask you, are there times when you are feeling or thinking something, and as soon as you feel it or think it, you hear this voice in your head and it says something like this, that is terrible. I can't believe I would even think something like that. I am really sick. Or, why am I still feeling like this? What's the matter with me? Why can't I move on? Or, I obviously have not forgiven her, or I still wouldn't have such bad thoughts and angry feelings. It is time to move on. Now, these are just the thoughts that I had in my head just today. But that is the inner coach. Can you see the impact on your ability or your willingness to look deeper at what's under the hood if that's the kind of thing that you're hearing in your mind? Condemnation kills curiosity, which is what we have to have 
in order to continue in this process. So when I asked my client about using the word silly so often, she said, well, I just I feel like I'm in junior high. I mean, this is so ridiculous that it bothers me so much. I wanted to stop. When someone says something like that, your first impulse is to say, oh, no, 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 it's not silly. I feel that same way, too. It's not silly at all. You want to correct. Um, but I believe that in this, that type of case, when somebody's in pain, and when somebody's been listening to that type of wording for a long time, uh, your correction just bounces right off. Because the inner coach in her was very strong. And honestly, she trusted the voice of that inner coach at that time more than she trusted my voice. She wasn't really ready to fire that coach. Um, just yet. So as she told me that, I just nodded, because I've been there. I've heard that voice too, and I can validate a feeling, a thought. I can validate it without saying it's correct. I can validate it without saying that it's true or agreeing with it. So I just nodded. Hmm, okay, that makes sense. And that's what she needed. She just needed a safe place. She didn't need correction. I asked her what happened in her when she heard herself calling her feelings silly. I said, does, it, does that help you explain things to me, or does that shut you down? How does that impact you? And she admitted, oh, it shuts her down. She said she didn't want to open up because she felt embarrassed. Because again, it's silly, and she wasn't supposed to have those. Okay, I said, so let's do this then. Could you try to just hold off, just hold off on evaluating anything just yet? We need to get everything out, and then you're going to have a clearer understanding of what's going on in you. And then we can get to a place where you can move on the way that you want to. So in other words, I'm not saying stop it. I'm saying hold off for just a sec. Just one sec during while we're doing this process. We're going to put it back in. We will. We're going to eventually evaluate it. But at this point, try, try not to do that because it's slowing you down a little bit. Right now, I explained that voice that's evaluating your thoughts and your feelings is actually keeping you stuck in what I call um, a loop. I think this, but I shouldn't think this, but I do. But that's absolutely ridiculous. Now I'm thinking it again. Why do I keep thinking this? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's a loop, okay? So the second step, once you have become aware of that voice, is not to correct it, but to just suspend it, just for now, so that you can move forward. Once we can quiet that voice, we can risk curiosity again, which actually helps our upper brain come back online and release us from that loop that our lower brain has locked us in. Andy Kohlberg says in her book, Trying Softer, curiosity helps brains that may be acting from subcortical regions 
lower brain, such as limbic system and the amygdala to reconnect with the cortex, the upper brain. When this happens, we acknowledge that the emotions we are experiencing is not the truth. Instead, we recognize that it has information to share with us. Our indicator lights, our thoughts, our emotions, our physical sensations are what God uses to call attention to some part of our heart that needs tending to. Acts 28, 27. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Curiosity is what the enemy goes after through the voice of the inner coach. Because curiosity leads to understanding. And understanding opens the door for us to turn to him for what needs healing, which is eventually the process that we're going to talk about going to. Again, what I want you to do this week is to listen to the voice in your head that comes on when you start asking yourself, what did I just feel? What did I just think? Listen to what comes on in your head. If it's highly critical, notice, how's that impacting me? Does that send me into a loop right there? Is my brain shutting down in order to protect me from pain that curiosity might lead me to? That inner coach, again, has been with you for a long, long time. So I'm not going to say, fire him, fire her. I'm going to say, instead, learn to talk back to it. So that inner voice can be suspended just a bit and actually begin to help, eventually. But as I keep saying, it's kind of like a long infomercial. That's next week. For now, we're going to close with the song, How He Loves Us. And um, that contains the line, we are drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. And that's, that's really always what it always comes back to. The gospel. Because of what our Father has done for us, because we have the righteousness of Christ, because we have the presence of the Father, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can afford to be curious. In curiosity, there is entrance to the Father and healing and restoration. We are his children. And he is connecting with our hearts so that we would learn his heart better. Why? Because that goes right back to your calling, which is the same as Christ. Christ came to earth so that people could understand a flesh, 
a blood and blood living example of the heart of God in the context of their world. That is the exact same calling that we have. Because of the gospel, we can move with boldness, boldness into whatever is in our heart. The gospel cultivates curiosity. Curiosity cultivates redemption. So listen to this song and begin to ask the Father that he would give you an experience, not just of head, but an experience of in the heart of his love for you. Because it is from that position, and only from that position, that you can risk this kind of hurt, this kind of look deep into your hearts. And you can. And that's the good news. So let's listen to the song. Jesus says, that is chanted over us. Uh, we are desperate that you would get that from our ears, from our heads, down to our hearts, and that you would free us. That you would help us to believe, oh, what a difference it would be in our lives if we could believe that. Would you remind us of that voice? Could we hear your voice of love over any voice, both in our heads and those around us? We are distracted, and that shuts us down, and it locks us into a loop. And you offer rescue. Thank you, Jesus, that we are not doomed to that loop and we are not doomed to trying to figure this thing out ourselves. Remind us of that, Jesus. Change us, change our hearts so that we would leave this place and we would go into our homes and into our jobs, into our children, to our friends, to the cashiers at Walmart, that because they engaged us, they would have experienced your heart for them, through us. That would be a miracle. And we ask for it. In your name, amen.